over the, the next couple of weeks, we're going to think a little bit together about what we try and do here on, uh, on a Sunday. Not so much in terms of the worship aspect, if you can divide the two, which you can't really, but in terms of what we do with the Bible time. Now, um, I'm probably even more conscious than you that when it comes to the Bible time, I do most of the work. And uh, that's the way we like it. That's uh, partly the expectation that we have. It's partly what we sort of pay him for at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, see, so there we are, I rest my case. So I realize that I'm pushing very heavily against the avalanche of the culture. As we think a little bit about what's trying to happen and then put some things into practice together this morning and over the next couple of uh, weeks. It's a great psalm, Psalm 1. And at the center of the psalm, if you um, still got it open in front of you, at the center of the psalm, it it has this lovely picture about a a person, uh, like a tree, verse 3, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. There's something very beautiful about fruit being born in season. There's something very natural about it something very grace-filled about it. We have a huge walnut tree in the back of our our garden, and as we approach the summer, there's hardly any leaves on it at all. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, it all comes uh, together. Not a lot of effort and straining. The tree doesn't tend to groan to produce its fruit, at least not audibly. It tends just to happen as the way things Ah, so this beautiful picture of a person who's, who's, who's like drawing from the streams of water, echoing the words centuries later of Jesus about streams of living water flowing from within. Maybe he had some of uh, the metaphor, the language of this psalm in his mind as well when he spoke those, those verses. And whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. So a a wonderful picture of being purposeful and fruitful and being fulfilled and achieving the kind of things that you are made for and designed for. So who is that person? It's the person who meditates, verse 2, on God's law because the first part of verse 2, his delight is in the law or the scriptures. They only had the first five books of, uh, of the Bible by then. The scriptures were still being written and created. We have much more to draw from and meditate on. And the idea of meditation, as we know, it comes from the word, or the, the kind of the, the chewing the cud language, the cow that chews and regurgitates food in order to draw all the nourishment, all the nutrients, all the goodness out of it. So that the nutrients and the goodness becomes literally physically part of gives energy to the life of in that example the cow or or whatever so the word uh, not only not only do we hear it but it, it comes so rooted into us that it becomes part of who we are and we know something is part of 
who or the way that we are when we habitually respond that way. You might be able to think of times in your life when you recognize that your response has not been the way it should be and you have trained, you have allowed the truth of God's word to so fill you and get inside you that now you habitually respond the right way whereas previously it used to be a huge effort. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So it starts off as a discipline And then it becomes a way of life, a lifestyle. So, fast track, fast forward into the New Testament. And Jesus tells a story, doesn't he, about uh, builders. Wise and foolish builders. And the thing about these builders is that Jesus draws this analogy that there is a, a foolish builder who hears God's word. And there is a wise builder who hears God's word. And they build their houses and the storms come, you know the story, and one, one the foolish builder's house gets wiped away while the wise man's house uh, remains. Why? They both heard God's word. They both effectively listened in the forum. They, they both were effectively part of the church, the Sunday rhythm, listening to what God might be saying. But why was one foolish and one wise? It was about the foundation. And did they both just listen? Hearing and doing created the foundation that became a rock. That made the difference. It wasn't the listening that makes the difference. It's the listening and the doing that makes the difference. Now that's really annoying, to be honest. Especially as someone who listens to lots of sermons. I listen to more sermons than you, probably. And if that was the foundation, then we'd be well away. But there's a listening and a doing creates the foundation. The meditation was not just to hear, back to Psalm 1, but the allowing it to to get rooted into our being so it becomes part of who we are, part of a way of life. Now, our Sunday culture, as you've heard me say many times, has traditionally put huge emphasis on the listening side of that, listening and doing. So, you expected this morning to listen, and that was your expectation, and, and whatever else would happen today, you will probably, I hope, maybe not after this morning, you'll probably, I hope, come back next week with the expectation that you're going to listen again or listen some more. In fact, you don't want to listen again because if you did listen again, the first thing you would say to me at the door, you said that last week. You said that, I've heard that story. Now you told that joke before. So, so listening again, that, that's not what you want. Actually, what we really want is to listen to something different the following week. Uh, and, then, and then following week, something different again. Uh, and all of the time, we're putting our emphasis on listening. And because we've done that well, and you're good listeners, you know, when I ask you to say something, you're totally stumped. <laughs> but, but you're probably good listeners. Um, when, when we... When we um, do it week after week, suddenly what became part of a journey 
has easily in our minds and in mine too become the journey itself. So I can listen and feel very satisfied. Especially if I've heard something new or different or something that's made me think, I can feel quite fulfilled at the end of listening to something. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And that in itself so easily becomes our goal that we have listened. It's one of the the discipleship issues that as a community we've been talking about for a while and we're really trying to shift. It's why the emphasis in our missional communities and in our small groups and in whatever other groups is for you to take what you've listened to on a Sunday and, and work at it during your small group or missional community or whatever time. Because the temptation is even in those times, even in our small groups or wherever it is, is to listen to some more of the Bible and simply to repeat the listening exercise, but perhaps in just a different format. And what we really need to do together is to keep listening, but put as much energy and as much effort, maybe more energy and more effort because we're less used to it and it's harder. So if it's harder, it's going to take more effort. If we're less used to it, it's going to take more effort. So maybe even more effort and more energy in the doing in order that we might try and balance these things out. So we might not end up fooling ourselves that the listening in itself is doing all the work. And that, of course, is the goal when we read the Bible during the week. Only 7% of Christians open their Bibles between Sundays. Only 7%. So that's roughly one in every row. Shocking, really, isn't it? I would, I would like to kid myself. I would like to hope. I believe that our percentage will be better than that. But let's not rest on our laurels. And when we open our Bible during the week, because doing that task of opening the Bible can sometimes feel quite hard, we're pretty thrilled to bits if we've managed to do it. If we manage to do it a few days in a row, whoa, the halo is beginning to glow. And if I've done it for a week or read the Bible in a year, there is no stopping the sense of exuberation that I have done the task. But we mimic the Sunday experience where the listening becomes the goal without the processing or the working out what we're going to go and do uh, about it. And so... Uh, All this is by way of saying we have a simple tool at Burlington and I'm aware that there are new people joining us and journeying that won't have seen this. I'm equally aware that some of you are doing this every day and think to yourself, what on earth is this guy on about stating the obvious? Could someone come and raise the legs for me? I know I'm small, but I'm really not that small. Uh, Could someone come and raise the legs for me? Listening and... Fantastic example, Ben, of listening and doing. Thanks, Josh. So, um, we want to try and create a simple tool that 
How many Christians does it take to raise a flip chart? Yeah, we need at least one, or a woman. That's looking great. You've done that. You've done that. You've done that before, boys, haven't you? We want to have an environment. We, we, we want to have an environment where there's a simple way of us always making sure we don't keep falling into the obvious trap that we've just been talking about. I fall into it in my personal study. We fall into it in our personal studies, I suspect. We certainly fall into it when we gather collectively like this. Because what we concentrate on is the listening, uh, and we don't get as far down the end uh, into the uh, application as perhaps we possibly could. And it works with everything, okay? It's the beauty of it. This is a sales pitch. This tool works with everything. The scripture could be something that you read in your own private quiet time. The scripture could be a truth, a challenge that you hear in a preached message. The scripture could even be sometimes something happens and you think, you know, God's trying to say something to me. Ever had that experience? Actually, God's trying to say something to me. Well, that effectively, it's not scripture with a capital S, but it is a word from God. And when God speaks, we have to listen, but not only listen, we have to then go on and do something uh, about it. I want you, just for a moment, to think about your favorite Bible verse. You got it? Maybe, maybe you're not sure what your, what your favorite verse is. Maybe you haven't got a favorite verse. Maybe you love it all and, and stuff. So this is one of my favorite verses, I think, Mark, if we've got it there, um, from Zephaniah. Uh, the Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. It's a fantastic verse, in my humble opinion, and it speaks to me in all kinds of different ways and at different times. So, if we're following this simple format, now, you can do this verse, if you like, or you can do your favorite verse that's just been in your head. Most of you have got phones and you're longing to get them out because you've been listening for far too long. Now you can get your phone out. Uh, something that you can write on if you've got a diary. There's probably bits of paper around if you need them and a pen if you want. But I encourage you if you can to, to kind of write something down during this time. And then uh, uh, we'll be easing our way from listening into uh, doing. Now, oh, fantastic, mate. You've got a little pad. That is brilliant. My pens are too big for your pad, but someone here might have a pen if you need one. So, what I want you to do, I mean, obviously you'll have more space, probably, or create more space. I want you to think about your favorite verse and to think about what particular aspect of your favorite verse 
most jumps out at you just now this morning. All of God's word is youthful and beautiful for teaching, correcting, and training and writing. So what bit of it? So it might be all of it, or it might be a bit of it. So for me, to show you how this might play out, for me, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, means the great massive Yahweh God who created everything, who was there at the beginning and will be there at the end, can't get any bigger God, that's what it means, effectively. The huge God who's above and beyond everything. That God will quiet you, fourth line, with his love. So for me, the truth is that God is mighty and he will quiet me with his love. So what's yours? Either for this verse or for your own favorite verse. So you've got your verse, it's there in front of you. Think, what is it that particularly right now this morning stands out to you about that verse? What might that be? Now what I want you to begin to think about is what is it, what is it about the words that you've just highlighted that particularly stand out for you today? Now there are two kind of truths or realities to think about. It's it's about what it's saying about God, what the truth is, the big truth But it also might be particularly speaking to you today because of a reality that's going on in your life. So, for example, for me, today, my observation would be after a few really busy days when I'm on catch-up and not quite sure which way's up and whatever, what speaks to me this morning in all the rush of a Sunday from my perspective is that there is a mighty God in heaven who is bigger than everything, who was there at the beginning and will be there at the end, but he wants to quiet me, to embrace me, to touch me, to, to, to meet me with his love. It's an amazing thing. And one of the reasons that I love this whole verse so much so this morning, my observation is, 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 is not only, wow, that's amazing, but I need that. Yeah? What's yours? What's it? You can't keep looking at the front, okay? You've got to actually do this, yeah? <laughs> Pushing the culture uphill for a minute. We're gonna, it's great, it's awful. Start speaking again, Simon. Break the silence. (laughs) Think about it just for a moment. Oh, it's terribly quiet in here. Now, when, when, when Jesus um, called the disciples, he didn't call one. He called a band of disciples that were called the Talmudine. That was the name that was, uh, that was given to a band of disciples that followed a rabbi. And the reason that there was a band of disciples 
is that they understood what we understand in modern educational language and culture. They understood that you learn from one another. So there was quite a lot of learning amongst the disciples as they were walking along the road. They were discussing uh, with one another about who would be the greatest and Jesus had to sort them out and so on. So not all the learning uh, gets to the truth, but it begins to help them explore what God might be saying and what God's doing. So when we think about listening and doing, we need to recognize that we kind of do that as a, as a team. We do that with others. Now, that might naturally be, again, in your small group, your missional community, or whatever. But this morning, you've got the people that are around you. So just for 30 seconds, maybe 30 seconds each, what's your verse, your scripture, and what's the observation that you're making about it this morning? Go. And, and if that's really terrifying, and, you don't, and you're so introverted, just chat to the person in your head. Okay. So we're, 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 we're thinking about a truth that God's trying to bring to me. We're, we're beginning to observe it, and we might do that in all kinds of different ways, ask all kinds of questions about what it's actually saying and why it might be significant to me right now, my life here and now. And, and often... And it's very easy now, because we've done a bit of this processing, it's very easy to stop and feel like, oh, I kind of get that verse and what it might mean and why it's important to me. And, it, and it's as easy as anything now to pull into a lay-by and to uh, give yourself a big tick, either because you've listened to the end of the sermon or a big tick because you got to the end of your quiet time, whatever. Really easy to pull into the lay-by here. Uh, but, but we have to push on through because we're still only listening. We're still only listening. This is listening and this is doing. And so we need to push on to the application. If, if God is mighty outside of the whole thing and today, this day, he wants to quiet me with his love, then that in itself is amazing but I will not find myself quieted by his love unless I do something about it today. I mean, it's obvious, really, isn't it? And so the application forces me to think, so if this is God's invitation for him to love me today in a way that I can touch, feel, get, get a handle on, then, then how am I going to turn this truth into a reality in my life? What's the application? I know that in order for me to embrace God's love afresh, I need some space and I usually need to walk. That's what I need. And over the years I've understood that's what I need. And if I don't create the space and the walk, everything else will crowd the God of heaven out, however much he wants to break into my life uh, today. And what we'll often find ourselves, or, or personalize it in this particular scenario for me, what I often find myself doing is fighting that because there's still so much to do and we're still getting everything done and my goal becomes getting to the end of the list for today. And so rather than embrace it, I find myself wrestling with it. I know what I should do 
but I don't very easily do it. There was a famous apostle who said, I know what I should do, but I don't usually do it. And maybe you know something about that in your life. About what you should do, but you don't usually do. We fight it. And as I was thinking about this verse, one of our children would always fight sleep. And uh, when they were waking up, I would be able to go to their, what do you call it? Moses basket thingy. Do they still have Moses baskets, or do you have some modern trapeze now to put your kids in? <laughs> so I'd go to the Moses basket and go, shh, and they go back to sleep. The power. But one day, one day, this little kid in there went, no, shh, because they knew what it meant. And they kind of grunt and they fought it. And God wants to go, shh. And we fight it in the busyness. So the application for me is not only to know what I need, it's not only about knowledge about what I need, but when am I going to do it? So when am I going to take that time that I know I need, and unless I've agreed with myself when I'm going to do it, it probably won't happen. A plan in your head is not really a plan at all. And so my application is, I will walk, dot, 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 with detail put in there, yeah? And one of the best things about the fact that you're in a group is that when you talk about it to someone else, it makes it a lot more real. Because if I've decided that I'm going to get up tomorrow morning early to read my Bible, and I don't get up early tomorrow to read my Bible, what happens? Nothing. But if I've explained to a few people that's what I might do and I don't do it, what happens? You feel guilty. So you feel more guilty about what another person might say than what the living God might say. That's true. That's how it works. It doesn't make it right, but it is how it works. So uh, what's my application? And then there's a power in sharing that with someone, which is why doing things sometimes in a group can be so powerful. So what's your application? Well, what do you now need to do? And then you turn that application into prayer. Just a couple of minutes, just thinking about it. And once you've thought about it a little bit, turn to the person next to you, just continue the conversation along. This is my scripture. This is what I'm observing. This is what I need to do about it in order to build the foundation. If I just hear it and I never do anything about it, it matters diddly squat. It's a foolish builder and the storms come and the house falls down. Go. Yes, great. Concepts and actually understanding concepts because otherwise we can cherry pick what are our favourite verses and we can always say, yes, God is positive about us, but actually, even the concepts of this, it's not so positive. Totally, totally brilliant. So um, at at the end, I'm going to talk about a few things about the way we make sure that we don't cherry pick all our way through the Bible. So that's really helpful. Make sure I do that. Okay, so take take the conversations and just for a moment or two encourage one another as you pray for each other. 
uh, wherever you're at in, in that journey. Okay, to turn, it, turn just the conversation, uh, it doesn't need to be any less uh, 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 noisy, doesn't need to be quieter because we're praying, just keep going, turn it into prayer, ask, ask God at this junction, take what we're hearing, we're trying to put into practice and to earth it into our lives. Go. Father, we're asking you in these moments as we bring our prayers to a close that you would uh, give clarity to our hearts, that you would give resolve in our spirits, that we would, as your disciples, grasp the rhythm of listening and doing, of understanding truth, and we thank you for all our understanding and acknowledge our lack of it at the same time. But as we understand, so to apply it, to weed it, to, to, um, to plough it into, into our lives. And so we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So who's got a a, a quick kind of journey of SOAP soap that they could share right now. Ooh. Ooh, that took everyone by surprise, didn't it? Ooh. Yeah, Andrew, come on. Great. don't need oh it is working trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will um, direct your paths or make your paths straight and um that that's been a verse for me for um ever since i can remember and and so my observation was that the verse is saying our job is to trust god completely to acknowledge him give him glory in everything uh, it says lean not on your own understanding which is kind of what on earth does that mean um, I, I, for me, I think it means that our, our job is not to try and work everything out, which is something I like to do. Um, so he promises to lead us and guide us clearly if we acknowledge him. And so my application was, first of all, maybe to work out a little bit more about what acknowledging God really means. And, and secondly, not to worry that I can't work everything out because I'm not supposed to. And, and, and just to pick up Linda's point about context, what's interesting is if you look at the whole of Proverbs 3 as opposed to just those two verses, then I think uh, potentially that the, the writer of the Proverbs is beginning to unpack a little bit what it might mean to acknowledge God. So it talks about honoring the Lord with your wealth. It talks about um, you know, loving Scripture and applying Scripture. It, it, it talks about um, you know, those types of things. So, so arguably, maybe that's part of what it means to acknowledge God if you look at the wider context of it. Brilliant, thank you. So the challenge for Andrew is to drill down what he would do in order to express that growth in acknowledging God. And some of those examples from the wider psalm uh, will help him to do that. Somebody else? That'll be quite different because we're all different people. All right. (laughs) That sounded really willing. (laughs) All right, oh. Psalm 61, verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, 
for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in the robe of righteousness. The verse goes on a little bit longer, but that's the bits that's most important to me. And I realise I struggle to delight in the Lord. I struggle to appreciate that he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. We trust in the Lord Jesus for our salvation. And he, he told a story about a man who came to the wedding, but he didn't have the right clothes on and he was chucked out. And here we're told that if we trust in the Lord, we have the right clothes because he's clothed us with the garments of salvation. But it's the first bit, to delight in the Lord. And does your soul rejoice in your God? And that's the bit that I struggle most with. Thank you. That's very helpful and very honest about where we get to a place and we think this doesn't match what I'm hearing and what I long for my experience to do. And our application becomes a journey to try and understand what it is, what it would mean for us to delight and why, why we find that hard or easy, uh, depending on our circumstances and situations. Great. Anyone busting? Oh, fantastic. How are you doing, Nicole? You all right? Sarah Martha, absolutely freaking out now. <laughs> so we were looking at this verse that's on the screen. And we found, we chose the bit that says... The Lord is mighty. And what, what did we say? God is mighty. He can help us when we have a problem. I need to pray. I need to trust him. Brilliant. Thank you, Nicole, very much. That deserves a round of applause and a big cheer. <laughs> so, the context, uh, as Linda helpfully reminded us, is crucial. Because if we get the truth wrong, then we get ourselves in a muddle right from the beginning. And there's two things, I think, that we want to be aware of as a community. The first is that week by week, what we try and do here on a Sunday is to think about what that truth is. So week after week after week, we create a framework of understanding of what the truth in the scriptures is. With all its frailty, with all its uh, humanness, with all its uh, uh, different interpretations and so on and so forth, nevertheless, week in, week out, that's why Sundays is so important and always will be. That's why we're not substituting these teaching moments uh, or, or getting rid of them, or whatever. That's, that's not the journey at all. So that we might understand the truth and understand it in its context. The second thing is, though, sometimes we fear so much about getting it wrong, is that we never do anything right. There is an awful lot about the Bible that I think we do understand its truth quite clearly. We just haven't got around to really doing it yet. And so I uh, we can, with a sense of uh, affirmation and encouragement and a dependence on God's spirit, look to him to lead us. He promises to lead us into all truth. And he'll probably do that when we take the truth that we already know and we do a bit more work about putting that into practice. 
So it's, it's about a balance, it's about understanding, and the reason that I said take your favorite verse is because I thought it would be the easiest one for you to deal with and handle because you would know it well. I'm not suggesting that taking your favorite verse or your favorite verses is the journey of discipleship. I will put on um, uh, uh, the, the, the Facebook feeds and all the rest of it uh, afterwards some uh, blogs of mine, and they will link to some of our SOAP resources on our website, forward slash SOAP, and there there is a reading plan that takes you all the way through the Bible. And the brilliance about the reading plan is that you can read loads, if you're like my wife who reads 23, 24 books while we're on holiday. I read about 23 lines um, in comparison. Then then you can read the whole Bible and the New Testament twice before you've had breakfast. If you're pretty good at reading but not a mega star, then you can read, perhaps get yourself through the whole Bible once in a year. If, if that feels like an awful lot, you can still carry the journey of the Bible but taking little chunks. And if you're really uh, uh, not, not at all feeling like you can take that on, then there's a start here, a few verses. Ooh, I could do a bit more, a little bit more. Ooh, I could do a little bit more. But equally, it takes the main themes and takes us right the way through the scriptures. Okay, so really important that we're not thinking, hey, these are my favorite verses, this is what I'm going to stick with, because there are times when what will appear to be the opposite truth of what we've understood. So God loves me and thinks I'm amazing, that's true, but God also loves me and realizes that my life is a mess on the inside, just like yours. And so those are not contradictory truths, but we learn to hold them in tension and in context when we work our way through applying what God's saying to us. So over the next couple of weeks, um, what we're going to do is uh, a couple of uh, members are going to come and they're going to share with us for 10 minutes-ish a truth from the scriptures that puts it into uh, that it awakens it to us, gives us something to, 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 to get our heads and our hearts into. And then we're going to think about how we should be responding when we hear it. How should we take what we're hearing and begin to work it into our lives rather than just um, listening and then moving out and coming back for something different to listen to next time. So that's the journey that we'll be on over these next few uh, Sundays together.